Welcome to the July 13th edition of the PFF Forecasts. It is Eric and George. We've got a really fun pod for you today because we're going to talk. Uh, we got some really good questions from listeners about betting, and it's July 13th, as I mentioned. So it's a great time of the year to talk about betting in general, some questions that we get. I have also some surprise questions for Eric that I think people are really going to enjoy. Some are about betting, some are not. Um, so that's going to be a really good show. It's inspired by the, the mailbag that we did a few weeks ago. And we are going to open up with a really interesting discussion about uh, a particular left tackle asking for a boatload of money and uh, who's actually winning this negotiation. Let's rock. Um, you, uh, you are known as many things, mathematical wizard, the big guy, the Sultan, and now the Schefter, Eric Schefter eager has been doing some due diligence, has been really canvassing the, uh, the scene ear to the ground. And, uh, it's that time where, you know, players who are, who have been traded for draft picks and whose contracts are now uh, up are looking for uh, are looking for a lot of money. So uh, this this guy near and dear to your heart. Who is it that you've been um, you've been kind of learning more and, and reading more about? Yeah, I I was on Kansas City Radio yesterday with our dear friend and friend of the show, Saran Petro. Member, of the I've been syndicate. on his show probably four times since the season mercifully ended in Cincinnati, and every single time. <laughs> He said, uh, he's asked me about Orlando Brown. And I finally put my foot in the ground yesterday on his show. And I said, I don't think he's getting signed. And, you know, I've talked to people. um, I've also talked to, you know, both sides of it, by the way. Like, you know, know, there there are aspects of, um, you know, uh, know, his his side, their side, that, that kind of thing. And the interesting thing is, is like, I just don't, for one, he didn't have an agent until like six weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And I know he was like a groomsman in Pat's wedding and like all this stuff. So there are a number of like t- intangible reasons why they could just quote, get a deal done. But right now reports are, and I, I think it's accurate, reports are that he's asking for top of the market deal for a tackle, which would be upwards of like $25 million a season. And you know, Ronnie Stanley had a 70 million guaranteed. I know, uh, you know, Trent Williams is somewhere around more around 46 million guaranteed fully. And, you know, our PFF war metric, you know, he was coming out of you know Baltimore, which are one of the easier offenses to play. in. he was worth 0.33 wins. Um, if you look at 0.33 wins, that's actually worth exactly huh, funny how, how good this metric is. $16.5 million, which is exactly what he's paying playing for on the cap mm-hmm. this year on the, on the tag last season for Kansas city, he did miss one game, but it was, he was worth 0.27 wins above replacement, which is right around $13.5 million. Right. And you of course have to bake in a little bit because there is the asymmetry with, uh, you know, veteran players and players on the rookie deal and all that kind of stuff. You're also paying for past performances to some degree. Him asking for $25 million just puts the chiefs in a, in a situation where they either have to delete all of the goodwill that they've gotten this offseason from a what I would consider sharp perspective, which is you know accumulating a ton of draft picks, trading back for the first time in the Brett Beach era, losing losing on Tyree Kill because he was too expensive, et cetera, et cetera, building a secondary, all the great things they've done, they've done. Paying Orlando Brown what he wants in this instance gets rid of a lot of that goodwill in my estimation. So um, reportedly they offered something a lot less than that. And I would be really surprised if they came up on, on their offer. Um, but, you know, there's still a couple of days left, so we'll see, but I, I'd be surprised if Orlando Brown, if he plays any, you know, this season will be playing on anything other than this uh, franchise tag. So let's um, let's go back to 
uh, April 23rd, 2021. The Kansas City Chiefs, that I'm reading, and this is what the NFL uh, wrote on NFL.com. The Kansas City Chiefs made a splash play to protect Patrick Mahomes' blind side, acquiring Pro Bowl left tackle, uh, acquiring a Pro Bowl left tackle. Um, so uh, this was, of course, in reaction to the horrific Super Bowl debacle um, against the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Patrick Mahomes was under siege. So they trade for Orlando Brown, formerly of the Baltimore Ravens, who, by the way, if we rewind even further, was barely more athletic than a traffic cone when he measured at the combine and was playing right tackle until the aforementioned Ronnie Stanley got injured. And then he moved to left tackle. And upon moving to left tackle, actually graded fairly worse, um, but over the course of the season played pretty darn well. And so now as a left tackle, was going to command a little bit more. The Chiefs traded their 2021 first round pick, number 31 overall, a third rounder, number 94, a fourth round pick, number 136, and a 2022 fifth round selection in exchange for Brown, a 2021 second round pick, number 58, and a 2022 sixth round pick. So really, they gave up that first rounder and that third rounder, uh, a four and, and a fourth and a fifth, but they got back a, a second, right? So they, they re did recoup a pick in, in that trade. Um, what I thought was really interesting about this is my initial reaction to hearing you say this was, well, this is exactly how Orlando Brown's agent should negotiate here because they gave up a boatload and they're pot committed. And like, how stupid will they look if they trade all of this stuff and then don't sign him? But I actually was, I think, mistaking the amount of, of goods that they gave up for him. You know, this wasn't the Jamal Adams trade. It wasn't the Jalen Ramsey trade. Um, they didn't give up, you know, two first round picks. Um, so now I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like there's no way they should pay him 25 million. And, and by the way, if you look at left tackles on, on overthecap.com, right? So you mentioned Ronnie Stanley got 70.6 or 70.8, I should say, uh, million guaranteed. Trent Williams is at 23 APY, but he got 45 guaranteed. Um, Laramie Tunsil, 50 guaranteed. That's the second most guaranteed money uh, for any tackle. He's at 22 APY. And Bakhtiari is at, at 23 APY. So, you know, getting to 25 APY would be a significant jump, right, over, over the previous number. And if he wants the most in, in total guarantees, you know, as well, that's what he's trying to set. 71, you know, guaranteed. I mean, that would be ridiculous. And I agree with your point around you know, Tyreek Hill. And I actually think that's why they won't do it. We've already seen if they're not going to go pay money for Tyreek Hill, then they ain't going to pay money for uh, our guy, Orlando Brown. Um, so I, I now I've kind of come around to things. And I guess my take is, Eric, if you're his agent, though, and you look at this and you go, well, if he plays for the Chiefs this year, he's going to have to pass protect against the AFC West edge defenders, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, um, Chandler Jones, Max Randy Crosby, Gregory, Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb. That's not going to be great. So let's either ask for everything or let's go somewhere else or it's going to be a little easier. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's exactly it, right? I think that, you know, Orlando Brown has been kind of a clown, right, this whole time. Like, hey, I want to play left tackle, even though, you know, he was mostly a right tackle. He has the worst athleticism score we have in our database for tackles. <laughs> so it's like, it's honest, you know, like, but at the same time. Is it played, really the worst? Yeah, literally the worst. Like three standard oh deviations God. worse than the average tackle. Um, but I, is I, he, I get. Is he I, less athletic than you? I think so. Especially now that I'm, you know, a little leaner. Yeah. Um, trimmed down a little bit. Uh, I've been going on jogs. Um, but he 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 he's a weight so, defender. So five, five, eight, five, forty, which I, I think you might, you know, if you trained, I think you could you could get him at. This is the one I feel most confident. He bench pressed only four two twenty-five only fourteen times. I mean, my brother in Christ, I could probably do that <laughs> like today. Um <laughs> What would your vertical jump be today? So people will 
People don't, and there is a video of me dunking on Twitter. Now that was pre-pandemic, 2019 fall. <laughs> That's my goal to get back to that. My vertical jump when I was in college was 38 and a half. Like that's pretty good. I need, I need some, I mean, I, you, you, for a big guy got up, you know, you can, and that dunk was, you know, there was no, uh, no funny business there. I can, can confirm it was a 10 foot hoop, 19 and a half. I do. You would have no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that the 38 yeah, and so a half is the real deal. 38 and a half is like, they're NBA players that are, that are, I did like, I think I, I think my broad jump was in the nine feet. Like, you know, like I, I had some pretty, I mean, honest to goodness, the reason I wasn't a good football player is between the years. I was kind of a huge bitch between the years. If I knew what I knew now about, about how to actually succeed in things, I would have been a better player because I was a decent athlete. I was just kind of like, frankly, I didn't have, like when the ball was in the air, my mind was saying, don't drop it as, as opposed to catch it, which we all know is a terrible, Mind, mm-hmm. mindset that. Um, but um, the the thing with Brown is I is I do agree that there's some of this playing into into consideration, right? And and that's like like I don't begrudge the guy. Like we all in life want to get ours when the when we have the biggest advantage. Like that's that's sports betting, right? We're going to talk about sports betting a little bit here. Get get put a lot down when you have the best of it, right? And, and pull it back when you don't. Um, and, and Brown right now probably believes he has the best of it, but good on the Chiefs. Like, and again, this is, I tweet this out today. People got a little bit, some people got frazzled. There's a lot, there's a Chiefs kingdom subsection of people who say, just pay Orlando Brown, protect that. Mm. Mm. The Chiefs had less information about 2023, understandably, than they had in 2022. In 2022, at, at, at the time of the Brown trade, they had the 31st pick in the draft. If you look at the offensive tackles in that draft, the over-under for number of offensive linemen taken in round one of 2021 was six and a half. Only five went, right? So at 31, were they going to get a starting left tackle? I don't know. None of us knew. Mm-hmm. They had Joe Tooney, who they paid a significant amount of money to. They had Austin Blythe, who was like a backup center for the Rams. They had Kyle Long coming out of retirement. They had Laurent Duvernay-Tardif coming out of being a doctor during the pandemic. They had Andrew Wiley, who struggled significantly in the Super Bowl at right tackle to go along with Lucas Niang, who sat out because of COVID as a rookie. Mm-hmm. You had one solid answer out of five on your offensive line. So I understand being like, we're going to pay a little extra for the chance to have another answer on our offensive line that's more definitive, right? Fast forward a year, Creed Humphrey's a Pro Bowl caliber center. Trey Smith is a pretty damn good right guard. Joe Tooney is as advertised and played you know, 55 snaps or so at left tackle against a really good Bengals team and gave up only two pressures. He could theoretically be there in a pinch. And then they have you know, Devon Kennard at right tackle, a guy from Kentucky who graded really well and by all accounts fell in the draft because he made his – political views uh you know all more noticeable than maybe he should have during the draft weekend so they they have a lot more you know we're talking about betting a lot more outs they have a lot more chance ways they can win on the offensive line that don't involve orlando brown and so they're just less desperate like this is how the world works and i think orlando brown believes well no you you made all this investment back then like that means something. And the Chiefs are like, well, it means less than it did at the time. And, and and good on them for sort of being pragmatic about that. I'm not saying Orlando Brown's not better than all their other options there, but at 25 million, their other options are better than than, than having Orlando Brown there. I want to get back to the uh, vertical leap uh, conversation because I, I want to give people context here. Your 38 and a half inch vertical leap would have been now, not every NBA prospect does the, the combine. A lot of the top picks don't do it. So I don't know where you would have uh, been relative to those guys. But it would have been the sixth, tied for the sixth best vertical jump in the entire NBA combine this past year. You're, in the NFL combine, it would have been two and a half inches better than Aiden Hutchinson, number two overall pick. Um, it would have been a half inch better than Kyle Hamilton. It would have been a half inch better than... Chief George Karloftis, and uh, I think it's also unless I'm missing him here, it's it's uh, higher than Trayvon Walker, 
Um, yeah, people have to remember, I was 6'3", 225 when I was in college. Like, I was a small tight end. Okay. So, but, you're but, not – you're not – I'm not saying uh, – I'm not saying that you would have been an NFL draft pick, but I am impressed. I'm very impressed. I – yeah, and I I mean, like, my 40 was, like, 4.65. Like, you know, not terrible. Um, I had a short shuttle of, like, 4.3 or something like that. Like, I just – like I said – if I was a good football player, I would have been a good football player. Like I just wasn't a good football player. Like that's like the, you know, uh, the whole, the whole aspect of it. What do you, um, what do you think happens uh, with the chiefs? So let, or if, let, I mean, and, and when I say what happens, like who is playing left tackle for them next year? Well, I think Orlando sits out training camp. I think he probably doesn't start the first few games because honestly, like he's fat and like not a great, not a great athlete. So like he needs train like back in the day when training camp was like six weeks long and all these guys had like other jobs and they were coming back to get in shape. That's kind of how Orlando Brown is. Um, you know, he's not like an Adonis, like, like Tyron Williams or Tyron uh, Smith. Um, so I think ultimately he, sh- he reports for the season, um, you know, week one. And I think that they, he plays on like field goal unit or something. Like they put him in, but like Tooney starts, Allegretti plays left tack, left guard. And they, they go the first couple weeks um, and they're probably fine. Week one, they play Marcus Golden of the Cardinals who, you know, is just a whatever player. He's a good player, but not a, not, not Chandler Jones level. And then week two, they play Bosa and, and Max. So like maybe he plays that game. Maybe they, maybe they're not ready. I think he sits a couple games, but ends up like starting 12, games or so i think he's like average to below average i think the chiefs end up not regretting this at all um and and you know i think a benefit is that like and then they have a year of runway to move on from him right either they go back into the market and get a left tackle um maybe they trade for laramie tunsil uh, of houston right laramie tunsil's contract is very good for the trading team right i think his cap hit this year if you trade for him is like two million bucks uh, and then like 18 next year, like that's another option. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess they could always rescind the tag um, in the next couple of days. That'd be kind of interesting because then they could go out and maybe trade for trade for an edge player. They were rumored to want Robert Quinn. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh Allen of the Jags is another option. I think Ryan Burns at the, if the Panthers stink, although they think the Panthers will be fine now. Not, not great, but not tanking because they have Mayfield. Um they have a lot of options. And, and I think that the, the thing that will happen will he'll play on the tag and then he won't be that good. And the chiefs will be happy that they played ball. I think, I think I would have to agree with you. And normally I would say they're just going to pay him. Like that was my kind of my gut thought, but the Tyreek Hill has me thinking they're not going to pay him. I, and now I wouldn't be surprised if they did rescind, rescind the tag, um, which would be would be one of I think the rare occurrences in the NFL where someone doesn't go out of their way to validate their past decisions. And and it's the NFL is not the only place where this happens, right? I mean, everyone's guilty of this to some extent and like happens all the times in, in business where you make some stupid decision and then you try and prove yourself right forever and ever. And everyone's known that person. Um, but uh, this would be a cool, um, this would be kind of a cool thing for the Chiefs. You would be, it would be great for you, honestly, as, as um, the Kansas, uh, Kansas City Chief himself. We're going to get to uh, some betting questions before we do. Uh, you should, if you're not already go play best ball, fantasy football at underdog fantasy football, they have a $10 million total cash prize. And all you have to do is draft a fantasy team. It's like the easiest thing on planet earth. Um, and it's not like you don't have to pay a billion dollars to get in or anything like that. The entry fees are, you know, at the most like 25, 50 bucks, it's nothing. So go to underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog fantasy app. The way that best ball works is you draft your team and then you don't have to worry about it in season. You have to pick up anybody, none of that baloney. Um, they, they just play the highest scores on your roster every time. And if you want some best ball strategy, you can head to pff.com. Our guys play it all the time. Go look at what Ian, Dwayne, Nathan, Kevin are doing. They'll, they'll hook you up there. So this is good news. You can get a free PFF subscription out of this. 
you deposit on underdog hundred bucks, sign up with promo code PFF. They'll match your first deposit for up to hundred bucks. You get 200 bucks, then play 10 of those with the promo code PFF, get a free subscription, go read all that information, get all that good content, come back, enter that $10 million best ball mania tournament and win. I, I, you're welcome. And then share some of the money with Eric and I will take a little tip. All right. Listener question. You want to read this one? Yes, for sure. Let's, uh, this is great. I, every once in a while, I do look at the comments on YouTube, but I also like the ones, especially from, um, the, uh, you know, from iTunes. So here's one, um, from P Taylor 78, really appreciate the betting content here based on math rather than vibes and feelings. Keep the content coming. A couple questions for you guys from relatively novice better. There has been some week one live movement since the NFL initial schedule, Baltimore um, from four and a half to five and a half, Detroit uh, plus four and a half down to plus four, hashtag restore the roar. Uh, I love the fact now, George, by the way, whenever I go on a show, somebody has to carve out like five minutes to talk about Detroit um, because of what we've done to restore the roar media company that we are. From what I have researched, it seems like activity from sharks and smart money is the only thing that moves lines in June and July. So my questions are, are there any week one bets that you guys are taking now with anticipation that lines will move away from you? I think what they mean is towards us Mm -hmm. as the public bets are more in August, September. If you are able to find a soft book, Caesars hasn't moved a, a line since they opened from what I can tell. Is there extra value in taking lines that have moved other places because smart money is driving that movement? I really like this question because it shows a lot of really, I would say, um, sort of like, yeah, like this person claims, I'm a novice better. I want to know something about this stuff. And I think it, it reveals a lot of myths um, that, that people have must, must be saying, but it also asks some really good questions. And so- Can I, can I just pause you for a second? Sure. We have to call out someone when they lie, okay? And this person is a huge liar, an immense liar. How many betters have we talked to, Eric? I mean, I've talked to fucking like 200 of these wonderful people, many of whom have claimed to be not novice, not, you know, adolescent, but advanced betters. And none of them can even tell me what the price means. Right, so right, 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 right. Our so guy person, here. This person actually, this person this guy, knows a lot more than a novice. The right? humility pouring out of this question, I really appreciate. Well, um, what I so like most is, about this, this is a good question. What I like most about this, though, is I agree with you that this person knows more than a, than a complete novice. Uh, folks that you have you know, listened to and as we try to build the best and most delightful products at PFF, the, the, <laughs> the, I think what they're hitting on is even if you know a little bit about betting, mm-hmm. right? And you and I have been in this, in this camp. I mean, we've learned so much since you and I first started doing the show. And, and even then, like we knew a lot when we started the show and, and at times it wasn't enough to win. So it does take more than just a little bit of knowledge about betting to win at betting. And, and, but you have to start somewhere. So I kind of want to talk about a few things, um, a few like sort of questions that come from this. The first one is um, from what, what, what he, what this person has researched, it seems like the smart money is the only thing that moves markets. That is absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. Um, and for the most part, like there are some um, instances. So, you know, uh, the Super Bowl is one of them. Um, I'm trying to think of like, you know, the Super Bowl in football is the one that's big. But like public money usually does not have a say in the direction the betting markets go, period. Mm-hmm. It's almost entirely sharp money and it's almost entirely sharp books, right? So there are only a few mark real market makers in the NFL and college football and everybody else just copies the lines off of everybody else. So that's something to understand. So if you go into your PPH, which is a pay per head, which is basically like a website that a, that a street bookie would use not, not to like, but like, you know, sort of your, your, your local bookie Mm -hmm. has a website that you can bet into. So you don't long, long, no longer have to call them and give them money and so on and so forth. That that book is copying their lines from some line service that's copying their lines from a market maker. And what do we mean by market maker? We mean a, a, a book that basically originates their own lines based upon models, based upon historical betting data, um, so on and so forth. And 
before any of us even see some of these numbers, offers bets to sharp bettors off screen. So that is, that's what you're up against is, you know, these sharp books are taking bets from, you know, you know, you can name anybody that we know is smart, you know, really sharp bettors, but they're pounding that number into place early in the, in the week um, through, you know, low limits. And then by the time you get to Sunday, that number has been pounded into place where then they're offering their biggest limits because essentially what they're doing is getting you to pay the VIG into a 50-50 market. Mm-hmm. One, one thing that uh, I think is good to call out is um, the, so when you think about, um, when you think about why only sharps move the market, right? Um, there is a lot of, it takes a lot of kind of casual money to, to really make things lopsided. And the people that are casual betters who are putting in lots of money, you're, you're not move, you're not going, oh, I need to change that up. You know, I need to make sure that this whale doesn't put in another, you know, 500k bet on this side. Like you're not getting in any information from that person that you haven't already gleaned from people that actually know what's going on. And the the sharp betters are also putting in a lot more money than the average, you know, than the average better, right? So they're actually putting in valuable insight with their wager. Whereas, you know, what are you going to, what are you going to do with a hundred people who know nothing or a thousand people or five, uh, you know, 200,000 people that know nothing who are each putting in $10? Yes, that's worth a lot of money in, you know, in total, but it's not giving you that that amounts worth of information, I think is, you know, is kind of the point that yeah. you're making, right? The information that you're getting from one person that knows what they're doing, who's betting $200,000 versus a ton of people who just have no idea, who are probably just following something that they've seen anyways, um, you're not going to react to that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like most of these, you know, market making books, I mean, they're, they're, they're deploying data science. I think there was a really good data frame uh, data camp podcast with Marco Bloom from Pinnacle, which is one of those market making books. See, uh, Circa and Bet Chris are is a, are two others, um, where he describes sharp betters as consultants, right? So mm-hmm. early on in a, in a week, like let's say the limits are like two grand for a side and one grand for a total, and you take and and you take a, a sharp bet from a person who has you know they profiled and they're profiling you. We'll talk about that in a little bit. They're profiling you and they're like, this is a sharp better on totals in the NFL. And this person just bet us over 44. We're going to move that to 45 now. That better is going to win 55% or 50, you know, whatever, 54, mm-hmm. 55% of the time. And they're going to win against you long-term. But that information is going to pound that number into place where you take a lot more bets. And that basically, that money that you pay out to the winner is kind of a consulting fee in, in, in some ways. It, it, and, and that's in many ways, and I think a lot of like market-based people will tell you that's probably better than doing data science. Um, you know, it's a, it's a better investment to do data science plus this information than just data science alone, which I think makes sense. Um, but they're profiling, yeah, they're profiling and they, and they know who the sharp betters are. And it doesn't necessarily have to be whether or not you win. And this is where, you know, some of the recreational books, so that, you know, the, uh, Barstool, FanDuel, DraftKings, like they have, I mean, they, they'll, they're calculating whether you beat the closing line. They're calculating, you know, in what markets, like Mm -hmm. I, and paperheads will do this too. Like they have information on you. Like I remember the first, within the first month of betting WNBA, I was, I got my, my limit on second half team totals limited to $1. Like, (laughs) and that was just because I would bet it and it would, it would move a point and it would win. And, and it took 10 bets for them to limit me. Whereas, you know, other sports, like there are other books that don't limit me on NFL because I lost early on, right? And, and it takes mm-hmm. forever. And, and I was talking to um, Jay Crowder from PointsBet who was talking, you know, he's their um, head of trading. He was talking about, you know, sort of other books. And he's like, you know, sometimes it's actually valuable for you to lose early on in your, your, your tenure at a, at a book or, or to, or to get accounts from people who have lost early on because you don't have any of those flags and it takes a long time for you to be unprofiled from a loser to a winner. And you can collect on those 
before the before the books you know catch up you know there's a number of different ways and i i won't pretend to be limited on every single sport or or you know things like that but you know there are ways like for example player props we'll talk about that in a second where you might only want it like the sharp sides are almost always under so if you come in and you just bang unders on player props like they and you win a couple times they might limit you right away versus if you come in and only bet overs they might be sharp overs but they're but they're, but they're less but overs are let overs are bet a lot by squares too so it might not necessarily be um uh flagged and you might be able to have some have some fun there for a lot longer yeah the the sharp thing and and betting profiles is really interesting um i was i spent some time um at the in the trading room at a sports book that um that does uh, make their own lines and one of the really interesting things is the way that they talk about the the sharp betters and it you know it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about at these at, at kind of the the um uh retail books right where it's like oh, they're looking to identify you so they can keep you from betting. Here it was, we're watching bets come in. We know when bets are coming in from someone that we respect. And when that happens, we're excited to talk about, oh, so-and-so has just come in and bet, you know, these three things. What do we think? And, you know, is sitting there looking at kind of these panel of numbers and going, well, let's move, let's move it, you know, let's move it a half point and they'll move it a half point. But there are also times when the sharp better came in and they're like, you know, well, we know this guy bets these things really well, but he also just has this weakness where he, I mean, they didn't say weakness, but like also just likes to bet, long, you know, a bunch of long shots that he thinks have, you know, these chances. Like, we're not actually going to move those, you know, these, these, these are like 50 to one. We're not moving them on this information. And so they know, you know, where the people are, um, certain people are sharp, where, where they are not to your point um, earlier. And it, it's really interesting. I, I think it's cool. Um, it's fun to understand, I, I think as well for people who, and many of whom are listening to this podcast, like don't, you know, it's you're not quitting your job to go be a a pro sports better, but that doesn't mean that it's not interesting to learn about the people that are doing this for a profession, much like in my opinion, people that are playing professional poker where it is not, you know, sharp betters are not waking up on Sunday hungover and going, you know what? I think I'll put some same game parlays down. (laughs) Now, that's not a, there's nothing wrong with playing a same game parlay on a Sunday morning, but don't get it twisted that no one's going to go, Oh, sharp better over here coming in, <laughs> you know, Jimmy coming in at 1235 with another sharp same game parlay. Uh, let's, let's limit you. There's this big difference between uh, you know, between what those, what those profiles look like. And so, it's something that sports books can tell pretty quickly. You know, another thing that I think has been really interesting in listening to, um, to, to betters and asking them about their habits is no one, even people, again, aforementioned experts, no one bets early in the week. I mean, it, no one. So like yeah. that is one of the, that is an, a really easy way to be like, oh, you're, you're a different breed, you know, built different. Um, another question that you had here that I thought was really interesting, and I'm curious to get uh, your take on this because we've talked about this a little bit, but I want to see if that has, uh, has changed at all is why prop markets are becoming so popular. And, and just to, to give a sense of how much, how popular they, they are becoming, um, this is, was printed, uh, F- FanDuel said they 2X their NBA prop markets over the last year. Yeah, I, I, I have this urge and I, I'm not going to be able to get there because of so many meetings, but like FanDuel is offering WNBA player props. Like this is where we are in this world right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's awesome. Like it's just, it's just great. Like, and, and this, I think, answers our friend uh, P. Taylor's 78 questions as well. So like when, when he or she asks, like, what do you, if you can find the soft book, sharp book sort of dynamic, what do you do? Right. Mm-hmm. And derivatives and, and props are called derivatives because they're derived from the base market, right? So mm-hmm. usually like first quarter, second quarters, um, first half, you know, team totals, all of that, those are derived from 
the market that what are called the price discovery markets, where mm-hmm. price discovery is basically the act of you know taking money and finding out what the true price is by trusting the wisdom of the crowds. Um, and that's, I think, the answer to this question, which is, okay, every single book is going to copy either Circa or Pinnacle or, or Bet Chris quickly and get that number into place really fast. Unless you're a huge degenerate that has a Don Best screen or, you know, our friends at Underdog or our friends at uh, Unabated or something like that, where you can see it and you, you bet immediately, you're going to struggle, I think, just being able to pick off movements uh, in mm. big markets. But yep. you can pick off derivative markets. So what I mean is, you know, let's say that there's like a, uh, a big, you know, torrential downpour in, in Miami for a game. And that moves the total from 47 and a half down to 44 and a half. You're probably not going to be fast enough to get that. And if you do, you're probably not going to, it's probably not going to be a big enough move by the time you bet it for it to matter. Like it has to move like multiple, depending upon whether you, you know, in a spread, you move through three or seven or six or whatever, or for totals, you move through, you know, there's a couple of like key totals, but even then you're not getting that much of an edge, but you can like go and say, well, look, I saw the Dolphins total move from 47 and a half to 44 and a half, but Tua's passing yardage prop is staying still here, right? That's where you can kind of clean up on market movements and sharp markets and, and clean up in dull markets that are more cor- that are correlated with that result, right? You can use the information uh, from the, the sharp offerings to bet into the weaker offerings. And that's really, I think, why prop markets are becoming popular because you can win. Like the prop markets, you know, and, and we won in the NFL last year. We actually did pretty good in both NFL and college football, especially against openers. But like, you know, against close, we were basically a little bit better than break even. Like it's really, you win, you, you, it's hard to win against close. And the majority of people that are betting are betting on Sunday morning. And so for the majority of them to win, they have to bet into markets that are softer and prop markets are softer and they're derivatives of the bigger market. And so folks that either, you know, bet for a living or folks that bet recreationally or folks, folks that have, you know, betting content shows, like that's the place where they can offer possibly winning advice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I will agree and disagree with, with your point here. With a, with, the reason I will is, is that I think there's some nuance to this which is for, for betters, especially recreational betters, it's not as much about the, um, the consistent cash flow <laughs> as it is the opportunity for excitement and the price at which you, it costs you to have that excitement. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I have a hundred bucks and I bet a hundred dollars on the uh, Bengals uh, plus four and a half in the Super Bowl. Um, or, or sorry, I, let's make it the Rams. Okay. So I lose that bet. That stinks. Okay. Um, and there may be a case where you bet a spread and you're not even, you don't even have a chance. Right. And I think if you were watching um, that Rams Bengals game, you were probably kind of down and out for most of it because <laughs> the Bengals were, were winning that game, right. That came from behind. So you're kind of just like, shit, this sucks. But if I am able to take a bunch of props, and again, there's only so many in, you know get bets you can make for a single game, and we know about the way people consume games that they go into it with like, hey, I'm going to watch this game, <laughs> you know, I want to bet this game, mm-hmm. and it, so losing a single bet for hundred dollars, where you could have been out of it from the, the time the game starts, to going, well, I've got like three or four bets here, and I risked hundred dollars, but if I win. I might win $500 and Eric, two of my props have already hit and it's the second quarter and you're telling your wife, honey, honey, go look up, go look up uh, some wine tasting options for next weekend. Cause I might be taking us somewhere. I don't know if anyone's actually doing that, but you might end up losing that last profit. It was worth it. You had you, your engagement increased. And so the point that you're making around, you can win more. I don't know that it's necessarily that they're becoming more popular because people are actually picking up on what you're saying of like, you know, I can actually, I can actually win more on these single prop bets, but more so I can win more based on the outcome that I'm looking for. Right. Every time I hit one of those props, I feel a little, I feel a little bit 
better yeah. about myself, right? And, and more engagement. Yeah, they're better both from an entertainment standpoint and a winning bet standpoint, right? So you're right. Like if I bet, um, if I bet a football game and you know, I bet the dog plus seven and they're down 28, nothing in the first quarter, I'm screwed, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and basically my, my way of watching that game is over. Uh, we've always talked about, I think this, this came out of the movie action. You probably have better data than I do, but like the average better and the average DFS player watches three more games per season in the NFL than, than just like the average fan. It's like 15 per year for the average fan. It's like 45 per year for the average, like DFS player and better. And, and it's because you get to stay around longer, right? Like mm-hmm. I remember, you remember uh, Burrow week two against the Cleveland in, in 2020 mm-hmm. and they're behind like, you know, 15 or so Burrow comes back, back doors, that thing at plus six. And we're all, and that they were out of that game, but we're all watching with beta breath mm-hmm. today. I was watching um, Indiana fever, my Indiana fever against you. The, the Connecticut sun. And I bet them plus nine and a half plus 10 plus eight and a half. And by golly, they were down 20 points in the fourth quarter. Not only did the Indiana fever come back and hit the over, they covered on two free throws of eight seconds left Jesus. against the backups of the Connecticut sun. And, and, and I'm watching that game at the end, and it does not matter because the Sun were winning, but I came back and covered that thing. Um, and that just is compelling. But what, what's really cool is, and again, this is like a poker analogy, but you have, and, and it's also an investment analogy, analogy, you have so many more outs, right? So, you know, I can bet a T Higgins over receiving yards and he can get there in a number of different game states so he can get there if the Bengals get blown out and he catches balls in 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 uh garbage time he can get over the way he did which is a close game he makes a couple really big plays because he's one of the mm-hmm. key players there you're rarely going to go over in a game if you distribute your money a bunch about uh, around a bunch of props so that makes it more entertaining but also you can win more and then additionally the markets are not sharp. So we were talking to um, some folks that do um, the other day that, that, that set prices for these books and they don't have the price discovery uh, situation. Like there's not million, there's not millions of dollars in, in action coming in on, on these. So they have to set the, the prices algorithmically and they're going to be wrong. And there are going to, there are going to be situations. Like I remember, you know, uh, Cam Akers in the Super Bowl. you could have got him under, I can't remember the exact number. Let's just, throw it out 65 and a half. And there were some books that were hanging 61 and a half. You get a four point middle there. And, and like, that's just, if you're just picking those off and the numbers are right, you're not laying 150 on one side and 140 on another, you're just profitable just by, by sheer, you know, arbic. And, and that's, and that's kind of where I think it, it adds to the whole, you can win thing. Now that does not work for content creators. If, if we came out and said, you know, let's say our lock of the week was okay, George, on Caesars, Justin Jefferson over six and a half is minus 130. And then on FanDuel, <laughs> under eight and a half is plus 110. Our lock of the week is that middle, you know, yeah. and like that's bullshit. Like we're not going to do that, but ultimately that's what people should be doing. And, and I think that that's, you know, and you don't get that opportunity in sides and totals for NFL or college football. You simply do not. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question um, because the um well what i was going to ask originally and now i'm not even sure if it's that that interesting but like that arbit i was thinking about like what if our lock of the week we just made as confusing as possible every single week <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. so here's what it is you've got to do this then you've got to run here and then you've got to time this up and like you know it's the summer solstice so make sure that you bet against this and this and this um that would be kind of funny but I don't know, like, do you think that like retail and, and like, uh, you know, kind of average consumer bettors w- would want to bet those kinds of things if it were easier to bet? Like, let's say there was like, let's say you, you posted something and I'm thinking about this for like the PF, like the PFF app, right? Okay. Which is c- coming soon, by the way, um, get it, get on our beta group. If you haven't already, you'll be able to check it out early. Um, so let's say that you, you sent something out and you said, Arb opportunity, here's what you bet, right? And it's like, Jamar, you know, it's exactly what you said, Jamar Chase over here and Jamar Chase over here. Like, do you think people are going, oh yeah, let me, like, let me grab that? Because I, my take would be, I don't, I don't know that consumers 
who have all these busy lives, right? And, and maybe I'm wrong. And that's why I'm asking you, like, are they, will they come in and do that? Or is it going to be, is it, is it too hard to break that, um, that, that kind of the, the way that they do things and the way that they think about engagement? I think it depends because I do think the, the popularity of parlays gives a little bit of insight into what people are trying to, like what recreational bettors are trying to do, which is bet a little bit to make a lot, right? Mm-hmm. So if I were to bet Cam Akers under 65 and a half yards and then Cam Akers over 61 and a half yards, I'm basically, I got whatever percentage those num- those those yards are and the payout, which is basically 2X my bet divided by the big, uh, you know, basically. Right. And then, um, and so that's betting a little to make a lot, right? Like you basically lose the big, if you don't get the middle, right. One side of the big. Um, but I also don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze. So like, we'll come back to baseball. So baseball, there was a lot of opportunity decades, you know, not decades ago, years ago where people would just line shop and they bet, you know, they, they scalp, it's called a scalp, but you scalp a few cents off of. So, you know, one book is laying minus 127. The other book is laying minus 116. So you can kind of like, you can calculate the number you have to bet in order to sort of like edge out like, you know, three, 3%, right? Mm-hmm. But 3% is nothing to a recreational better who's betting $25, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's hardly, that's a, you know, that's on the order of dollars in terms of like expected value. But if you're a, you know, a, a, a pro and you're betting like 5k aside, then you can make real money doing that, but that's not who rec- that's not who like like this podcast is catered towards. Like I know that there are pro betters that listen to our show, but I it's not they're not necessarily listening for the picks. They're listening for the thought processes and stuff to put in their own models and stuff like that. So that's where if you can get a middle and say like, look, there's a middle available. Let let's toss aside the fact that not everybody has access to them. So. If there's an offshore book like Bet Online that is mm-hmm. offering a prop, and then there's a legal book like FanDuel that's offering a different one, everybody has access to Bet Online. Not everybody has access to FanDuel. So there's, I would shy away from that kind of stuff just because like a listener in Ohio can't actually execute that bet. But there's also the fact that the juice might not be worth the squeeze for most players. And, yeah. and the vig is such that it's better than a parlay in my opinion, in a lot of cases, right? If you bet a middle like that, it's better than a parlay, especially if you're getting like at FanDuel, you're getting what 15 cent lines, 10 cent lines on props. If you're getting like 25 cent lines, like some of these uh, paper heads, it's probably a shitty bet relative to a parlay, Mm -hmm. but you know, that is like the appetite of an, of a, of a, of a, you know, uh, recreational better is, is, you know, I want to, I want to get the plus two sixty parlay for two minus one ten bets. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot more, uh, obviously every single week, every single year about this, but it's, it's fascinating. And just thinking back to like, um, you know, mainstream football, that's why you, the stat you mentioned is so telling is because you look at who's going to be vying to show all of these games, right? It's going to be between, Apple, Disney, and Amazon. That's who's, you know, bidding on, bidding on the uh, Sunday, Sunday ticket, um, you know, opportunity. And if you look at, if you look at Apple, Apple has purchased a lot of live sports content. They have baseball. They just bought MLS. And if I had to put my money on something and I actually have, uh, given where I've invested, um, I would bet that they are going to, uh, they are going to win the, um, the Sunday ticket, uh, opportunity. The reason I believe that is that I think they just, they have more money to spend. They're going to make a better offer, honestly, than Amazon. I think, if, I think the only reason Amazon might get it would be the, the tie they have to the league already, but I think the league loves money. So, uh, I kind of think of the Amazon, but, uh, sorry, Apple. But you've got to kind of think like, I mean, they must be looking at these numbers. Like there's a big difference between 100 million people who are watching 15 games. Now 100 million people are watching 45 games and are fucking engaged, right? Mm-hmm. And are like yeah. excited about it. 
um, that's just better for um, better for the broadcasters. So I don't think it's surprising. I have two questions for you because these were all really good questions. My first question is around parlays, which is you, Eric Eager. What's the worst bet? Not like, you know, in hindsight, oh, I got my like math wrong or whatever. Like, what's the worst bet you've ever placed where you're like, I know this is just not a good bet. Maybe it's a bunch of overs or, or some parlay or something like that. What is the worst bet you've ever placed? Oh. And don't tell me you've never placed one because I know, I know emotions have gotten the best of you. Uh, the worst bet I ever placed was Chiefs minus three in the Bucks Super Bowl <laughs> because our model liked the Bucks and I let my fandom get in the way. Um, oh. That's and, a good one. Yeah. And, I, and we're all, we're all, we all succumb to it. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want, you oh, here's one. Me? And yeah, also, I'll give, okay. So I don't know. People don't know how paperheads work, but basically, like you bet on credit. And then when, when the, when the balance gets to a thousand or minus a thousand, you either have to pay up or you, you become the mayor of Antigua for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I did that this week. I, I, like I said on Sunday, I did not lose a CFL bet. I think I even nailed, I, I, my favorite baseball team, George, and I'm channeling our friendship here is the mm-hmm. San Francisco giants who yep. are on kind of a swoon. Yeah. Um, but I bet in them a few times I got to a point where my paper head was, you know, plus 800 for the week or whatever. I'm like, okay, all right. There's nothing left on. Yeah. My hometown Minnesota Timberwolves were playing a summer league game and my brothers in Christ, they were, they hung a fur. And I, this is, this is how degenerate it was, George. They were, I wanted to bet the first half total. I wanted mm-hmm. that fucker done. Like I didn't mm-hmm. even want to sit through a whole game. I wanted to know whether or not I was getting a cash out that week or not. Okay. So I put the 200 and actually with the big, it was like 220 that I needed to get the 200 to, to get to my cash out for the week. Put it on over 87. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, my brothers in Christ could not, I, and, and I don't know, people dog on the WNBA. I'm sorry. I watched a summer league game myself as a human. Those guys can't dribble. They can't, they can't finish. They, none of those people can shoot. I can like those, that game got to 60 first half. And, and I just remember texting, you know, I, I, everybody knows that my betting partner is Ben Brown. And I text Ben. I'm like, the Supreme court should outlaw this kind of game. Like that's how bad it was. (laughs) And I felt even bigger of a idiot for watching it, but like, that was all that was left. And I don't Mm -hmm. like baseball. I, and I'm not like, and, and actually I bet the over in the, in the Yankees Red Sox game to get me to plus 800. Like I was kind of like, okay, I probably shouldn't have this much in my account anyway. So let's just steady the universe here. And, and of course, and then, of course, yesterday I went to the Lynx game, and as I tweeted out, I put a sizable amount on the Lynx over, and that game got to like 110 each. And so, I, I, if I just was patient, I would have been fine. But of course, I wanted like I wanted that money like now, and so I, I bet a summer league game. That was the worst bet I've ever made, and it was Sunday, so we can all grow. Summer league. Summer League, I will say this. If you haven't been to Summer League, Summer League is a fun thing to go to yeah. um, because you can just like, you're in Vegas first off and yep. you can just like talk to people and uh, that's fun, but you also don't have to watch the games, which can sometimes be an atrocity. Okay, I have, a, I have another question for you. Um, if you had to do a podcast on a topic other than the one that we are currently doing it on, what would it be? Oh, um, other than the current, so other than football, let's just say. Robert. Yeah, and, and you can't like pick like WNBA betting. That's not a fair answer, right? Mm-hmm. I would love to do a podcast on the mindset, the growth mindset. I do. You and I are both like fairly. We could do that. We could do that podcast. That like both of us would be very in, enthralled. I don't think our listeners would be super stoked to hear. No, of that course, and that you know, we all make decisions that. Hey, well, guys, welcome in yeah, to yeah. another episode. Maybe uh, our mindset. friend Peter Overzet can make like a TikTok making fun of that kind of podcast. But like, I, I, the 
to me, like in both of us manage people, both of us have taught before both of us. I mean, both of us have run the gamut of human experience. Let's just say that. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people believe we're sheltered. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a cloister and everything like, no, like you true. and I have like run the gamut of human experience and we, we've dealt, we faced and enjoyed a, a great deal of human uh, diversity, let's just say. And I would, I would imagine that I, we would have a fairly fun conversation about how to navigate the world in a constructive way. I think the growth mindset would be interesting. It would be really cool to do, to dive into ways that that um, manifests itself in different industries and, you know, stories of it, of it prevailing and where it has been, um, you know, not take it, not um, what's the right areas where it is, um, it's something that people don't believe in and how that has kind of deteriorated um, their uh, situation or not. I, I think if I had to pick a, uh, a topic outside of the one that we were doing, I am enamored with um, people that get paid to eat food. And um, I, I assume there, I haven't looked, I assume, there's all these TV shows about it. Um, I'm assuming there are plenty of podcasts about it, but if you haven't noticed in my recommendations, I recommend food all the time. So uh, maybe, maybe there's like an eat good food and talk about the growth mindset podcast. One last thing that's interesting. Uh, the t- the, have you have you at all gotten into the genre of podcasts where it's like old time actors and actresses that talk about the show they did? No. So I, I, I listen to this podcast called Inside of You, which is pretty funny. It's That's Michael Ro- Michael Rosenbaum who played Lex Luthor on Smallville. And like he and um, the guy that played Clark Kent, uh, Tom Welling, are doing a podcast about the show. But like I just found out that the, the people that played Sean and um, Corey on Boy Meets World, they've had a, like a longstanding podcast where they go through every single episode of the show that happened in like the 90s. Um, the, o- the the women that played, you know, that played on the OC, they have a podcast. Is does that? I I, I mean, I loved all of those shows, and th- th- those podcasts don't appeal to me at all. Um, if I, here's what I'll say: you are you are one of my dearest dearest friends. What probably like the only one of the only people on the planet that I actually talk to <laughs> about anything other than work. If I ever tell you, Eric, I'm calling it early tonight. I'm going to go listen to an actor talk about a show that they used to be in. The Ohio River is right over there. You got to take me out back and shoot me between the eyes. Take me <laughs> It's over. I'm done. Okay. I don't yeah, deserve I don't be- get it. I, I, and, and <laughs> they must be popular. And like, you know, they must be popular. Here's what I'll say. I, and I, I think we've noticed this. Um, both of us, as you mentioned, have been in professions where you either kind of go all in or you don't do it. You know, um, teaching is that way. Like what we do right now, you and I work in insane hours and, and we love it. Like it's, or there's nothing I'd rather do than, than work. I think the fact of the matter is we do probably not understand well enough the human condition that most people have in their jobs where they are not working on something they're as passionate about. And, and so you're looking for those that you just have way more free time. Like that's the only thing I can come up with to be perfectly honest. Like that's it, right? Like, it's just like, oh, I hate my life. I'm going to go listen to this. I would rather watch Boy Meets World again. That's than the listen point. To like, and I love Boy. Yes. Like, I, would, I mean, who didn't cry when Mr. Feeney, like, you know, at the end of that show, you know? But uh, yeah, I'm just kind of like, I, I was taken aback by it. I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so we won't be doing that podcast. Let's be clear. That will not be a podcast that we were doing. Um, although speaking of things that uh, happened or that were filmed a long time ago that I would like to watch again, that you reminded me of is Van Wilder. Um, mm-hmm. Very good. Very good show. Yeah. Tara, Tara Reed, uh, Cal Penn, whose book was terrific. I recommended that before um cisco uh yes that's how we came, in that movie that's how that's how we uh, came uh off of it. yeah i mean just a just an absolute romp yeah just a great movie need to watch it in my endless free time maybe i will yep. that was our podcast uh hope you enjoyed it we will be back on sunday 
uh, British Open, Open Championship Sunday. I don't have any bets for you because I'd be lying to you if I even realized that it was happening tomorrow until like literally five seconds ago mm-hmm. when I thought about what Sunday would be. So I'll just tell you this, Tiger's playing. I'm going to bet on Tiger. I hope you guys all do too and, and probably bet someone else that has a real chance of winning. We love you all. Thanks for hanging out. Peace.